After a small break, the two of us are back in our respective hometowns after both playing and competing on the Jersey Shore. We're going to talk about the O Street Mini Golf $1,000 Tournament and Episodes 7 and 8 of Holy Moly Season 3 on this episode of the podcast. My name is Tom. I am the blank of either mini golf, golf, or holy moly. People underestimate me because of blank, blank, blank. I'm going to win on holy moly because... Oh, wait, sorry. I was reading the producer scripts for the contestants on holy moly. My name is Tom, and you also know me as Mr. T, one half of a couple of putts, and a season one contestant on Holy Moly. You can find all of our A Couple of Putts mini golf designs, reviews, and more at acoupleofputts.com and on social media at Couple Putts. And I'm Pat, known the world round as the Putting Penguin. Together with my friend Mandy, we run the Putting Penguin, which brings you never-ending content across our website and social media outlets. We're excited to bring the full Penguin power to the O Street Tournament and a few other courses on the Jersey Shore recently, and we're looking forward to our own tournament, which is less than a month away. And I can just say, as a Season 1 contestant as well, I was happy I kind of had my own story and didn't have to play fill-in-the-blanks with the producers. It's Episode 25, as Tom mentioned, and... Since it's been kind of a hot minute since our last episode, just a quick reminder that we're here to cover every Holy Moly episode, as well as all sorts of aspects of the miniature golf world. And in lieu of news on this episode, we're actually going to kick it off with some discussion of the recent tournament that Tom and I both played in. So Tom, as uh, somebody who is playing in one of their, let's say, first-ish tournaments, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, this is my first non-virtual, non-Minnesota tournament. And I forgot to plug that we have the miniest mini golf open a month from right now in late September. But yeah, this was the first time playing against serious mini golf competitors like yourself, highlighter Mark Davicki, Justin Seymour, Justin Seymour's fiance Anna, who we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, the guys from O Street, and all of the people that show up to their events. So it was awesome. And I got to say, I was really, really nervous going into it because I'd never really faced off against that kind of competition. And I knew I only had about an hour or so to really figure it out. And I think you, between you showing me some of the shots and frankly, the course being more forgiving than I expected, I felt like for my standards, it turned out really well despite me being able to like, as I'm sure you could count all of the putts that you should have made that would have put you in the driver's seat for the winner. So that's my thoughts. Uh, I couldn't have picked a better course than Tea Time. It was my favorite course of about 20 or so that we played uh, out east and it wasn't even close. I mean, it was definitely the craziest course i've played a tournament on i mean it had 15 moving obstacles like you said it was pretty forgiving i mean i had a ton of fun even though for my standards i didn't do as well as i wanted to considering my standards were i won the last tournament and i wanted to win this tournament and i probably could have done just as well with maybe an hour's worth of practice versus the day that i had but uh yeah i mean it was i i i just had a round one that just didn't go whatever way I thought it was going to do and then got probably some of the worst luck on the pinball hole with it going out of bounds that I 
have experience kind of in a tournament. So I was a little disappointed, but it was just funny that we, you know, come from Connecticut, Minnesota. We haven't seen each other in forever. We play this tournament <laughs> and we end up tying each other at the end of the day, which for our uh, social media people, which I don't know, maybe you'll see this before or after you listen, we'll have a pretty good video of our little uh, podcast playoff there for, I think it was 15th we ended up in, if I remember the standings correctly. Yep. We both ended up in two rounds on 19 holes, mind you. We both got a 73. I had a 36 and 37. And what did you end up... Your first round was a really bad one, right? The 38 and 35, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, And those in comparison, the winner, uh, Larry McLaughlin? Yep. Uh, Larry McLaughlin had a 32 and a 33 which is super consistent. The best round of the day was two people. Was Gareth and Anna correct? Both at 31 or was it someone yeah, else? Who had a third? No, it was, it was Garrett. Garrett and Anna, both, uh, both are Connecticut people. Connecticut did well in the tournament. Um, they, yeah, they had 31 and I was hoping to shoot in that neighborhood. I had shot a couple 32s in practice. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't out of the realm of possibility, but there were some, definitely some good scores and the pink putter f- got that 32. <laughs> yeah, she had a great round. And I was in front of Larry for the tournament and just, I mean, every time I turned around, the kid was sinking aces. So I wasn't surprised that he ended up winning. Probably took it personally, too, when we were talking in the first round and I was laying my bets on highlighter and and Justin to win because they had the track record of doing well. And he was probably like, oh, screw those guys. But um, sorry, yeah, Aaron. Third and fourth. Uh, yeah, third and fourth. Anna took second. And still nobody from New Jersey's won Aaron's O Street thousand dollar tournament. So it's glad true. that streak stayed alive. Larry, it's two O Streeters at one and five and then three Connecticut Connecticutans. Connecticutans. Nutmeggers. We're nutmeggers. Nut- <laughs> three nutmeggers were uh second through fourth place with some impressive rounds and putting. So yeah, I don't know. We were both what eight putts off of it. I could, I mean, my number one like, what are you doing moment is there's a Ferris wheel where it has alternating colored like little things, and I was working on my pace and I wasn't paying attention to the ones you were not supposed to hit, and of course I hit it, and I did that later at Flamingo Golf on a windmill where I had the timing or had the pace of the putt, but the moving obstacles in a weird way I love them, but in Minnesota I don't. We don't have any courses currently that I can think of indoors or outdoors where we have moving obstacles. I can think of one indoor course out of all the ones that we play regularly in the Twin Cities Metro. So they got me twice, but I don't know. I, they, it was so much fun. I, I set my expectations low. I was like, I just want one ace. And I got on that first hole first that hole. literally <laughs> almost everybody in the tournament aced. But I think I ended up somewhere in the ballpark of like eight or 10 aces over two rounds, which in 19 holes, that feels pretty good because there's a lot of people like you that had terrible luck on some of those holes where the ball doesn't go where you want it to go or it comes out the hazard or obstacle in a weird way that you can't really control in many cases. No, and I think the top aces was 16 because Anna had that Mm -hmm. too. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, you're definitely on pace for that. 
Um, it was great. I, I don't know who you guys ended up playing with, but uh, we played with two guys, Nick and Mike, who were opening a course in Atlantic City. Oh, yeah. And we got to talk to them a lot. They want to run tournaments and everything. So, you know, for our listeners, I know we've talked about it a, a ton of times, but like that's just one of the coolest things about playing tournaments. You just meet mm-hmm. all sorts of new people. You get to find out about all sorts of different things. So like, you know, for me, yeah, I had a really high bar. I didn't come in anywhere near where I wanted to, but I would play that tournament again and have the same result a thousand times over because I just had a ton of fun. Yeah, 100%. The Pink Butter, Robin and I uh, had Bill Mezier in our group as well as this guy named Joe who had a pretty fantastic mustache and was fun to play with. And everybody's spirits were really great. Everybody was having a lot of fun. You know, you can get kind of frustrated whether you're you know, missing the pinball thing with the clown tongue that's poking out at you or the alligator mouth that is super unpredictable or like me hit a Ferris wheel. But I don't know, that sometimes feels better when it's just so ridiculous than like, I missed like a easy dog leg, five foot, like putt off of a corner thing that I think I could have made a million times. It's like, I'm still in a fun place with like rainbows and a weird Flintstone characters and I don't know. It was if tea time is the place that they go or a comparable course every year, I do it in a heartbeat. Although the nearby goofy golf, as much as it was fun, if there was ever a tournament there, I would put my bets on literally anybody to win it with how like completely <laughs> wild, unpredictable, and just like busted up that course is. I think I texted you that it's like Dr. Seuss on mushrooms meets mini golf that hasn't been repaired in forever it's just it's a weird one yeah that one was not good i don't know where they played their first tournament but last year's tournament go fish Mm -hmm. um it wasn't as mechanical but had a lot of obstacles so that same type of theme and i think that's cool we'll play farmington this weekend that's got some of the obstacles but your point of it is it's not traditional for a tournament to be on that course and it's just like a completely different mindset in terms of like there's only but so much you can control where if you play something like you know the, any of the masters courses it's you you feel more like every putt is in your control or should be in your control here and it was just like even on that first hole that should have been an automatic ace which i think was for 99 percent of the people it's like even when you put it up there you're like oh please please don't be the one in a hundred times that it doesn't come out the right way or has some weird ass spin on it and you end up like not getting the ace i mean we were lucky i'm sure you guys were too you know two rounds four players eight aces we walked away happy oh no see that's the thing not only did it come back to him on the first putt (gasps) the second putt went in and it it came out the cup which literally didn't happen our group was seven of the eight putts on it in the two rounds in our group of four joe's first one was a three and i think from there he was just beside himself it's a lying obstacle because it tells you easy does it but you can't hit it that easy no. or else it will come back to you. It's it's that that octopus, it's a tricky way to start the course, but it's super tricky. And uh the first year of the O Street tournament was at a Congo adventure course, because I remember Aaron made a hole in one video, which if you go to the O Street YouTube channel, you can see videos of all of the holes on the course and the A shots on them. 
It was really nice to have those in advance just to get a sense of what it looked like, especially from being on a town. And there were definitely a few like the alligator that I was just like, I'm going around. Screw this. Well, there was a couple of theirs where we looked at a couple of them. We were like, that's that was a lucky ace shot. And there was others that was like, it's not really worth going for the ace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where the benefit of playing a lot of tournaments and like sharing that information so widely it goes into play like i think that the 12th hole which was the schoolhouse which was easy to actually get into but had Mm -hmm. very low percentage of going in the hole Mm -hmm. and the putts from behind were awful because it had that little like ridge in the carpet and that's where justin and highlighter were like no we're just gonna go around and play the two and i got super lucky i still have no idea how i got an ace on that hole because i couldn't see behind the schoolhouse when I went around because I played around it safely and the next thing I know I heard it drop into the cup and Mandy's like you got an ace on it I was like (laughs) what and that was after like completely blowing the hippo hole which should have been an automatic ace so it was just the mini golf gods had it weird for me that that day but um yeah I mean the alligator hole I went around both times too after you aced it a couple times in practice going around I was like there is no way I'm testing my luck with Sir Chompy there. Yeah. It's funny because I blew my second putt on it the first round and I was like, and everybody in my group got an ace, but then Robin the second round, that was her undoing. And I was like, well, my hypothesis was right. I mean, I don't think I'd play to any different if I got a two on that every time I'd take it over some of the other people like Garrett if he would have not botched that one in the first round and had bad luck yeah, he might which he might have actually won the whole thing who literally just entered the professional putting realm like two weeks ago at our, one of our Matterhorn leagues so <laughs> we have uh we have Justin to thank for bringing Garrett into the fold and I'm looking forward to playing some more tournaments against him in the future all right so now that we've wrapped up our thoughts on the thousand dollar tournament we're gonna turn our focus over to holy moly and just a couple brief reminders on how season three is working here there's eight competitors who go head to head in a bracket one hole tournament with each of the matches held on a different hole the winner for the episode takes home a gold putter the green plaid jacket and a chance at the super final for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. of course by now we hope you're subscribed to us but if not you still got time to smash that button and then give us a hole in one rating Tell all your holy moly friends about us. I guess any of your mini golf tournament related friends about us as well, since we cover those. And now that we got all that administrative stuff out of the way, we're going to jump into the scramble time, which is going to be a little bit different because we're going to rattle off both these episodes pretty quickly. So instead of going back and forth, I'm going to take episode seven and Tom's going to take episode eight. Okay. So for episode seven, we had these boots are made for putting. And in the first round, we had the matchups of Jess versus Kyler on Agony of Defeat, Aubrey versus Cindy on Parkade, Kristen versus Anthony on Turfing USA, and Luis versus Krista on Puttasaurus. Jess, Cindy, Kristen, and Luis all made their way into the second round with no real standout putts or obstacle completions other than Luis having a really great run over the bones on Puttasaurus, which given that he was a pretty athletic dude being an amateur boxer, I guess wasn't all that surprising, but it was kind of cool to see. In round two, we had Jess and Kristen get demolished on Holy Matrimony, and Luis and Cindy fared pretty much as poorly on Fishing Hole. Jess and Cindy moved on to the final hole, Ho, ho, ho. The putting continued to be eh, whatever it was, but Cindy did have a pretty good standout moment and having the distinction of holding onto the pole like it was a fireman's pole and sliding down. And really, that's what put her over the top to help her win the episode. And that's all I got for episode seven right now. We'll cover a little bit more after we chat about episode eight. 
on to episode number eight, which was family night. And we had a set of newlyweds, Zach and Amber over at Parkade. We had a set of sisters, Megan and Serena over on Putasaurus. We had two people with the last name Rogers, Ben and Katie, playing over Double Dutch and Fuego, but they were not related. And then we had Peter versus Stephanie on the donut hole. We had Zach winning on Parkade, completely obstacle. Even though his wife almost aced on that, we might talk about it a little bit later on Parkade. We had the two sisters, Megan and Serena, on Putt-A-Source really eat it on the obstacle, but Megan ended up winning on an amazing putt over one of the berms. Ben and Katie both somehow get through Double Dutch and Fuego, but Ben makes his putt on the second one that was really nice to finish it. And Peter versus Stephanie on Donut Hole. Peter missed a second putt. Stephanie didn't. That was that on that. Neither of them passed the obstacle. We're on to the second round. Round two has Megan and Zach on Holy Matrimony, where in the rain, Zach was able to defeat Megan with a great first putt to set him up to win it. Neither of them passed the obstacle. Ben and Stephanie play on hole number two and had some rough putting. And even though Stephanie made a great putt over the berm for four, Ben ends up winning it. The Australian pro golfer moves to the finals. Again, Zach, the newlywed, Ben... And Zach play the pecker. Ben and Zach both land on the pecker, but only Ben gets the plume, makes an easy second putt. He wins episode number eight, and we're done with that episode now too. So let's chat about what we saw in episodes seven and eight of this, what kind of feels like a long season already. Yeah, these definitely felt like the middle of the run episodes that you would get like a sitcom season that were just like eh, it's the summer people are doing other stuff i guess one thing that i hadn't really thought about until i was listening to your recap was this the first time we've really seen a hole played in like a downpour that they had on holy matrimony i don't remember whether like i remember there being shots and talking about weather and wind but i don't remember people playing in it there was in season one they didn't air a lot of the people that played sweet spot but they had some pretty rough weather while they were competing i can't say for certain even though i was out on set because i didn't get a watch but that was probably the worst weather and honestly zach was really smart just to bail on holy matrimony because frankly he wasn't going to land it. And uh, spoiler, that's holy matrimony is going to be what I talk about in design time. Um, and so I can talk more about that. But I think at least Riggle and Tessator were good in these episodes. There's been one or two episodes this season have been a little flat, but like the weird start to episode seven where they talk about like the ball's journey and Riggle kind of being depressed was amusing in a weird dark way that they hadn't done. There was a lot of really like randy and risque humor in the family night episode, especially around the pecker, which I thought was pretty amusing. But yeah, these two were just kind of a combo of meh episodes. And I'd be shocked if either Cindy or Ben win at all, just based on a couple of their putts. Yeah, I was going to say, given the show that was on the screen, I turned to Tess and Riggle for some of the points that I really enjoyed because, again, they, they carried a lot. I think, I, I don't know, I appreciate kind of the running gag of the press conference with, with Steph 
and I like that they brought in even more of kind of the ESPN family mm-hmm. to talk about it this time. I thought that was pretty good. You talked about the episode seven opening. I like the Brady Bunch esque episode mm-hmm. eight opening. That was good too. Um, one part that I don't know hit home for me was when Riggle was talking about like placing a random horse race bet because of some of the name. I can't even remember what the name was. And he was like, yeah, that would be like my bet to place in the fifth at Saratoga or something like that. And I was like, oh, that kind of speaks to me because I have made plenty of random horse base rats just like during the week. I'll be like, oh, let's see what's on. It's every, turn it on every once in a while. We've got the channel on the TV and, um, I've even placed bets in the middle of a mini golf tournament before while waiting for groups ahead of me. So I was like, wow, this one like really spoke to me. So I laughed on that. But yeah, I mean, like you said, other than, I mean, I guess the the standout kind of obstacle thing was having two people both complete both windmills on Dutch Courage. So that was really the only thing that jumped out. It's like, wow, that's kind of crazy. It didn't feel as epic as it should have given. It's the only time in any episode in the last couple of seasons where they've shown two people get through all the windmills. I feel like when they show the windmills, they almost always show someone getting blasted, like almost uniformly. Like in season one, they showed a lot less of the windmill than it was actually run because so few people actually got hit by it. Season two, people just got hit a lot more when they showed it. The one thing, not to digress from that, but okay, Katie Rogers, you know, my memory of being out on set during season one is like hazy at best. It all felt like a weird drugged out experience. But I thought Katie was actually in makeup on set. She looked super familiar. It just could be, I don't know, she was stylish and all of our makeup and hair and costume people were all stylish and cool, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could have been. Like you said, I don't remember much of anything that happened on that side of it other than, you know, going into various tents and doing various <laughs> things. And again, talking with some cool people, they were all very friendly. I think mm-hmm. the other thing about that that made it anticlimactic for that whole was that was the one where it was like not actual family members it was just you know yeah. the two people that so it was like there wasn't as much stakes involved and it was a first round i can't remember how often we've had dutch courage as the second round one but i feel like it tends to be more of a second round one so there's a little more stakes but yeah you're right like it just seemed to have a level of um flatness that it shouldn't have had for all four windmill attempts being conquered in the same episode yeah i yeah it just yeah both episodes it just lacked something and maybe just because we've been watching so many episodes of holy moly in 2021 and we're kind of ready to be out in the world and playing a lot of mini golf that it's slightly less exciting maybe it's less of connection to the competitors but i will say with episode seven there was uh jess negramonte who had the coolest story of everybody whose family in brazil ran a mini golf course and unfortunately lost to cindy she was the only person with a mini golf or golf story in that entire episode. You had a carny, you had a poker player, you had someone who meditates, you had a coach, and I forget who the other person was off the top of my head. Oh, like they were a, a two-stepper, like a country dancer. And I was like, wow. And that's where it was almost more shocking when Cindy won it, especially after she landed the pole and then had that awful long putt past the cup. It was just like, this this person's not winning. This couldn't happen. And then it does. And I was like, Wow. Yeah, that that was the most baffling episode, I think, of Holy Moly to date with the final. We were just like, eek. Yeah. 
and not to disparage any of the contestants, but I even feel like the family one, the storylines were just kind of that they were family. There wasn't a lot of substance behind it. Um, especially the, the young kids were like 21, 22, the brother, sister, they, yeah, Stephanie they, and Peter. Yeah. That was just like, that's what they are. And they kind of play golf sometimes. And they, they were going on about like the number of hole in ones they had. And I was like, okay, that's not really an impressive number of hole in ones on a mini golf course, considering you just had 10 in one tournament and they were like at 60 or 70 or something like that. So yeah, I don't, again, it could be because we've watched an insane amount of holy moly in the past 18 months. Um, but it did feel like these were put very specifically in the time slots they were knowing that people were probably going to be out and about doing other things in early August. You know, since we're talking about ranking things, why don't we just jump into your power rankings? All right. So we're up to eight winners. And um, not surprisingly, you alluded to Ben and Cindy did not really get too far up the, the scale here. I have Cindy actually a dead last because other than grabbing the pole on ho 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 I wasn't impressed by literally anything else she did during the episode on any of the obstacles or putting um, and I put Ben at six only because he did actually take care of two obstacles but he also had what is probably one of the worst putts we have ever seen on the show on hole number two Oof. so just so going bad through, yeah it was, it was bad so with eight so we've got one more winner to go uh right now the quick rundown is jose jack blake biggie todd ben rachel cindy and one to be determined person and I'm going to do the whole story so far and tell you a little bit about what we've seen. And to be honest, in these two new episodes, seven and eight, we haven't seen any new holes. We're still at 14 holes. We still have only seen the distractor once. It was the first time, though, we had seen the pecker being defeated and two people came really close. One of them, Ben, actually getting the plume and Zach just barely missed it. But no one else had come close in those first two episodes It was shown as we mentioned earlier, this is the only time that double Dutch courage has been shown where both people completed it in full. And still no one has completed Donut Hole, Holy Matrimony, and I believe hole number two, and correct me if I'm wrong, but no one's completed that, right? I, you know, it was interesting because I was answering a Reddit question about this the other day because somebody had asked if any of the obstacles besides the ones we had mentioned had been completed. And hole number two is the only one I couldn't remember because we've seen it so much on the other seasons. Yeah. But I don't think anyone in this season has completed it. And I actually think obstacle aside, this season has had the absolute worst putting on hole number two that we've seen. There's just been so much crap, no pun intended, putts on that hole. Yeah, it's been pretty bad. And so I don't really see anybody finishing off the donut hole and let's get right into design time with Mr. T to discuss the other hole I don't see anyone finishing, and that's Holy Matrimony. And this was a surprise to us both, but Holy Matrimony's been on four of the eight episodes so far, including both episodes seven and eight, and nobody has completed the obstacles. I am not sure if it is likely at all, especially given the weather conditions that we saw in episode eight. Along with Puttosaurus, it's one of the longest holes this season as far as the putting goes. The putt is really long. It's an angled putt to the left where you're going down the aisle for the wedding, past the trellis, onto the dance floor. It's probably at least 
I don't know, 50 to 75 feet, I'd say, from the start off. That's just a ballpark without having been out there. When you get the ball past the trellis and onto the dance floor, you have a big, long turf berm you have to get over and a disco ball in the middle of it that will kind of block the ball as well or it can deflect off of it. And then two little raised squares or ramps around the cup that are sort of like things that we saw on Slip and Putt and Tomb of Never TT in the past. I don't know if they're going to come into much of an advantage for playing off of them, but they can be a great obstacle on those second putts. I've been waiting to talk about this hole because I was hoping we might see someone complete the obstacle, but at this point, I don't believe it's going to happen. Um, and you start off the obstacle on this hole on a moving sidewalk like you'd see in the airport, but this one is faster. If you ever watched Ultimate Beastmaster... Another competitive show that is also shot on the Sable Ranch set, they use something similar to this treadmill that they use on this obstacle. You have to time your jump off the treadmill with a spinning ring and a spinning cake that's probably a good distance away. They seem like they're like that soft kind of rubbery material, but I think maybe one person got through the ring and then just got whacked by the cake. It is a lot going on, and frankly, I don't see anybody getting past it. So we've seen a lot of the little chapels on mini golf courses around the country, and it makes sense that they would have a wedding-themed hole. It's a great premise for couples or for stories of people or just to throw a big spinning ring and cake on a hole along with a dance floor and a disco ball. They all work, all the little pieces and design elements tell a great story with the hole. They even have on the treadmill, if you look really closely, it looks like it has like a, a line of roses on it. That's a really, really smart little touch. But ultimately, the obstacle just seems way too difficult. This might be one of the only obstacles that never gets completed. I was thinking about this, looking at previous seasons, and the only one that hasn't been completed at all was barbecue last season, but it was more or less buns and wieners, which we had seen people complete. Same with Double Dutch Courage in Australia. No one fully completed it, but we'd seen people run the windmill. So it'll be interesting if we get in this last episode or maybe it makes it to the finale if someone completes this. And I think that's all I need to say about this all. We'll see how it plays out in the last episode, but I'm just going to wrap things up with Big Thoughts Mini Golf. Just because a course is challenging, complicated, or unique, it doesn't mean it's fun to play. Since the last episode, I've played a ton of courses for the first time, and I had way more fun in the courses that had really simple designs that allowed for a lot more aces. I also witnessed more kids, families, and adults having a blast and showing their excitement on those courses too. If you're thinking about designing a hole or course, don't overlook what will make the experience fun at the expense of being clever. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, put one ready. Sweet. How long did that go? Oh, that's not bad at all. <laughs>